0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Ruby for All. Julie, what's up?
1: Hey there. I am so exhausted from a tiring weekend with kids activities. I'm a true introvert. How are you?
0: I know the feeling very well. I went on adventures around Arizona this weekend and listened to some audiobooks that were in my queue and did some self-help books. So I'm feeling good for this week. But today on the show, we have Noel Rappin. Noel is very well known in the Ruby community and he is working on the next edition of the Pickaxe book. Noel, you want to give an introduction?
2: My name is Noel Rappin. I'm currently a staff engineer at Chime Financial, where I am basically, my team name is called the iHeartRuby team, and I am in charge of internal tooling, Ruby development, Ruby onboarding, all that stuff. And as you said, I'm currently working on a new version of Programming Ruby, the Pickaxe book, which by the time you listen to this, Should be out in early access with about 60% done or so.
0: Nice. How do you decide when to release early access? It's really the publisher's decision and it kind of varies. Sometimes they want the book
2: to be really close to done and sometimes they want a lot of feedback. In this case in particular, we're releasing it earlier than we might otherwise because we want a lot of eyes on it and we want to make sure that stuff gets caught or people have a chance to say, hey, you forgot about X, which is a real occupational hazard in a big sprawling talk about everything in Ruby kind of look like this. So, yeah, it's a publisher's decision. Gotcha. And in this case, we also just wanted to get it out there. It's been so long since the book has had a release that
0: yeah. Well, that leads us into, I guess, our next question, which is, what is the Pickaxe book? Because I know I've been around for <laughs> four years and I've always heard it thrown around and I've never read it, but maybe now I will. So so can you right. yeah. that?
2: So the Pickaxe book was the first English language book about Ruby. It originally came out in 2001. It was written by Dave Thomas and Andy Hunt. After, I think I have the timeline, right? It was the first thing they did after they released the Pragmatic Programmer book. I think that's the timeline. It was pretty instrumental in the wave of early adoption that led to Rails being created and then onward from there. Eventually, they did a bunch of other releases. Eventually, Chad Fowler came on as a co-author. The most recent release was the fourth edition of the book, which covered Ruby 2.0. came out in 2013. So in this case, that's a long time. It's a lifetime. As you can tell, it is many people's entire generation of Ruby experience since this book came out. And what kind of happened was one of my roles chime is onboarding. And one of the things we do in onboarding is say like, here are some Ruby resources. If you want to learn more about Ruby and it's like, oh, well, here's this book that has been important in the field in the past and hasn't been released since 2013. And there's sort of a whole generation of really good Ruby books from the early 2010s that have not been updated or have been updated only sporadically. So I decided I was in a position to do something about it. I mean, continue the story. Like at that point, I've I have a relationship with the pragmatic publisher since I've been working with them for a long time. And I asked them if they had any plans to do something with the book and they didn't have any current plans. And I kind of asked them if they wanted to have plans to do something with it. And they invited me to pitch what I would do in a new version of the book. And there was some back and forth with the other authors that I was not privy to and can't really talk about. And in the end, they decided to allow me to move forward with a new version.
0: Nice. What is going to be different about this version other than the new Ruby syntax?
2: So we have nine years of new Ruby syntax. So that includes a lot of stuff. It includes brand new stuff, Ractors and pattern matching from the last couple of versions, but it also includes all the syntax updates that came in the 2.0 line and a huge amount of tooling updates. Bundler was brand new when the last book came out. All of the editors that people use basically didn't exist in 2013. RuboCap didn't really exist. Like even as much as the language has changed, the ecosystem around it has changed even more. So we've done a little bit of reorganization, not a lot, but somewhat in terms of a couple of different things. One of which is different expectation for what the people coming to the book will already know or may already know. The original book is old enough that it references Perl as a language that people will likely have learned before Ruby. It has a lot of references to sort of outdated statements about Java. Doesn't really talk about JavaScript, doesn't really talk about Python. So we updated a lot of those external references to assume an audience that would be potentially familiar with JavaScript, familiar with Python, familiar with modern Java, that kind of thing. And also we have like nine more years of knowing how people use Ruby to think about what is advanced and what is foundational and some of those things that were new in the previous book and were considered kind of advanced, the thing that comes to mind is that the stabby lambda arrow syntax, which was very new in the last version of the book and was not something you saw and now is something you see in, in a lot of Ruby code. So there's a certain amount of back and forth of some things are now considered more foundational and more important and get discussed up front. And some things got sort of pushed back to more reference, less narrative sections of the book.
1: Cool. For some of our newer developers out there, would you say there's any prerequisites that they might need to know before even picking up this book?
2: You should not need to know anything about Ruby to pick up this book. It is probably helpful to have already done a little bit of some programming. I think it is not quite, I've never done any programming. I don't know what a command line is. You might be able to. I think you could if you were determined enough, but that's not quite the target audience. So it does assume that you mostly know what a command line is and how to do command line commands. And it tried to have a pretty low bar in terms of vocabulary and things that it assumed, but there probably are some things. One of the things that we'd like to shake out in the beta is to get a sense of how people who are coming to this with not as much experience respond to it. One of the sort of structural issues with the way that books get reviewed is often they're reviewed by experts, which is great. But you also want to get perspective of somebody who's coming to it without 10 years of Ruby experience or something like that. So I think that you shouldn't need to know Ruby to get it to start with the book. I think the bar for other programming experience is pretty low and we're hoping to like get that balance right as the early access process moves on.
0: So it's going to be like betas. So do you like yeah. rebuy the book and you get access to the betas? The way Pragmatic
2: works is that they release the books in what they call their beta program. It's ebook only. It is usually a fraction of the completed book. In this case, it's about 60% with a big asterisk that I'll get to in a second of the completed book with some more, I think, coming in pretty quickly in the next couple of weeks. Maybe the next round, by the time this comes out, second round will come out, maybe, maybe not. And then you automatically get new updates as the book gets updated. My guess is we'll probably have four or five rounds. Before it's complete. And then it will go through another full technical review. And then it goes through publishing things like layout and copy edit and things like that before it actually gets printed. The asterisk is because the current version of the book has a full reference to the Ruby Standard Library API, which we are not going to continue doing because that is much better done by the online (laughs) documentation. We're going to do something in that space, some sort of curated look of the most important parts of the Ruby standard library, but I'm not hundred percent sure what that's going to look like.
0: How long have you been working on this? Just out of curiosity.
2: This book, we signed a contract in January. So it's actually been going fairly quickly. Yeah. to get The first out in, in late October. And some of that is because obviously I'm not starting from scratch. I'm starting from an existing piece. So there's an existing outline and there is existing text. I don't have to reinvent all the wheels. There's a bit of a puzzle of how to best make the new stuff fit with the old stuff, but the old stuff's already there. I don't have to redo it.
1: When's the expected print time? Kind of depends on how long
2: it takes for us to to do the API. The sort of unknown is how long it's going to take to do that API section. I'm hoping that everything but the API will be in the release book by the end of 2022. And that API stuff will be done in February-ish. And then that means the print book will be in the spring. It's hard for me to see how that happens any faster, fortunately, as much as I'd like it to be. It's a process with many steps.
0: What's been the hardest part so far?
2: So two things strike me. One is not quite being aware of all the corners of Ruby, especially new Ruby that I was going to have to learn to be able to talk about. In particular, the new thread stuff, the Ractor stuff, I hadn't worked much at all, and I hadn't done a whole lot with pattern matching stuff. But they're both important enough to really require some significant description in the book. And so that was part of it. And then I think on a different level, there's a continued process of trying to balance the tone, the structure, the voice of the existing book, bring the things in that I want to bring into it, not just the new stuff, but also some of that new audience things and things that maybe could use some extra explanation because we have different assumptions about the audience. And so trying to make that all read simply as one book rather than four different people who worked on it over the course of 15, 20 years. That's been a bit of a challenge.
1: What are you most excited about in the book? Well, I'm excited for it
2: to come out. Like I'm really excited to have this book be back as part of the Ruby community and for people to hopefully like it. I am probably overly excited. I added an appendix to the book, which is all the symbols in Ruby that you can't Google because you don't know what they're named. So the Safe Navigation Operator and symbol to proc and all of the things that are weird squiggles if you're just coming to Ruby and you can't even Google them because you don't know what to call them. We have an appendix in the back for what everybody calls them and what they're described. And I'm
0: maybe a little bit unreasonably happy with having that in there. that sounds very helpful. The stabby lambda, it's like, what is a tilde or straight line as... I don't know how to put this into Google. So yeah, I'm sure that'll be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
2: hoping we'll see. Maybe we'll be able to make it that part of the free samples off the book too to get it out there. We'll try and get that information available.
0: I want to take a second to thank Andy Kroll for personally sponsoring this episode of Ruby for All. Julie and I are really excited with what Andy is doing currently for juniors in the community by organizing First Ruby Friend, a way for early career devs to connect with volunteer mentors in the Ruby community to help further them in their careers. If you're interested in being a mentor or a mentee, go on over to firstrubyfriend.org and sign up. Andy also has an awesome newsletter called One Ruby Thing that we definitely recommend at onerubything.com where you can get a new Ruby and Rails tip delivered straight to your inbox. If you're looking to level up, this is a great resource that is free to the community and friendly for all levels of expertise. A big thank you again for Andy for sponsoring today's episode and look for links to First Ruby Friend and One Ruby Thing in the show notes. So, in the years that this book has come out, how we kind of consume books and like how they kind of get popular has changed a little bit. Do you have any sort of marketing scheme or ideas for when this book releases and how you want it to be popular?
2: So, no. <laughs> My rule of thumb for marketing has always been that anything that is effective is uncomfortable, and anything that I'm comfortable with is not likely to be effective marketing always involves a fair amount of going on podcasts and talking about how good your stuff is. And that doesn't always come naturally or just continually saying what's happening on social media. And I see the difference over time in ebook sales versus print book sales in my own other things. And I know that the time when being a programmer meant you had a stack of 500 page books on your desk is long gone, but I'm hoping to try and find some ways to interact with the people who are going to be giving feedback and some ways to find people where they are already sort of meeting and get them to talk about this.
0: Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds like a call to action for some of y'all out there to start a book club for it.
2: (laughs) If you start a book club for it, let me know. I'm certainly available to, to say hi.
1: How would you recommend somebody read this book? Is it more like a reference type book where you can kind of look for what you need or you should read it cover to cover? So it's
2: a little bit of both. So the structure of the book, and we haven't really made substantial changes to it, is it starts off with a tutorial of Ruby the language, a very, very quick one chapter whirlwind to introduce a bunch of terms so that we can use them as we talk about the rest of it. And then several chapters of this is a class, this is how classes work in Ruby, this is how expressions work in Ruby, these are Ruby types, this is how regular expressions work, a bunch of chapters like that. And that's the first section of the book. The second section of the book is Somewhere in between narrative tutorial and reference, it's about Ruby's tooling. So it's how do you use Ruby from command line? How do you use IRB? How do you use Ruby gems, Bundler, Rack, Yard, Doc, that kind of stuff, testing. And those chapters are also kind of narrative. And then after that, there's more of a full language reference that I wouldn't expect people to read end to end. And there's kind of a more more advanced... Object-oriented metaprogramming section, which is a little bit narrative, but you wouldn't necessarily start with. It's sort of the, how do you do the very dynamic stuff in Ruby? And then there's the full API reference or whatever replaces the full API reference, which I doubt very much that anybody will be. I don't know. I'm not quite sure. That may wind up looking as like, a how do I do X? How do I find things in Ruby types? How do I append? It may wind up being a little bit more task-oriented the narrative than a full a to Z reference.
0: Again, we're still not sure. Now that RBS is getting bigger, are you covering that at all or anything with yeah. Ruby typing? Yeah. So we do have a chapter in that second section about RBS and
2: Sorbet. The general policy is we cover third party tools where they have substantial mind share and in part where they're doing in the community. So in that case, it's Sorbet as well. So yeah, there's a chapter on RBS in which I learned that RubyMine, the RubyMine IDE actually has outstanding RBS support where Actually, also has a really good RDoC support where we use RDoC or RBS to do to tooltips and to make assumptions about parameter names and parameter types and something like that. But yeah, RBS, RubyMine actually has better RBS support than it has Sorbet support, which surprised me a lot.
0: Interesting.
1: Can we just take a step back and maybe explain what Sorbet and RBS does for sure, our listeners who sure, don't know what that is? Yeah.
2: So Ruby is not a statically typed language. It's the dynamically typed language, which means that, You don't declare the type of a value when you use it in Ruby, and you don't have to declare a value at all. And Ruby is called a late-binding language, which means that if you say x.foo, it doesn't check until runtime as late as possible, whether x actually responds to foo. Languages like Java, like TypeScript, have stronger types in that you explicitly say what type a variable belongs to, which usually means that you're limiting what both what values can be assigned to that variable and what messages it receives and you're saying that at compile time there's a compile step where the compiler looks at the code and says oh you said x is a string but now you're assigning three to x that's wrong ruby hasn't had any of that in contrast again like java and typescript even python has added a lot of type annotations in the last a couple releases so Ruby 3.0 added a tool called RBS, which is a separate, very similar to Ruby syntax where you have essentially one file for your gem or whatever that declares the type signatures of all of your methods and all of your classes. So you say like user dot first name returns a string, user dot is related to takes in another user as an argument and returns a Boolean. So you make a bunch of statements like that. And then... RBS still doesn't have very very strong tooling for what it does with that information in terms of being able to look at your code and say like hey this is incorrect, but there have been like as I said RubyMine has very strong support for using that information to check your code while you write it. I'm not sure about VS Code. I think it also has some.
0: It does. Yeah. A
2: little bit along. Sorbet was an earlier attempt. It's a third party tool from Stripe. Sorbet does not attempt to create new syntax. It is actually Ruby syntax that you use to, in a sort of unusual looking way to declare in your file, this method that I'm about to write takes in a string argument and returns a Boolean or whatever. And Sorbet does have some both type checker that runs separate from your code. And it also does runtime checks where at runtime, if you pass a variable type, it's not expecting it raises an exception automatically. I don't think RBS has a whole lot of usage, really. I know that Sorbet has a fair amount. So yeah, they both get covered.
0: There is a growing amount of RBS tooling in VS code. I used to use RubyMine. I'm not surprised that they have that functionality. I will say for anyone listening, if you have a student email address, you can get RubyMine for free as long as you have that address. So shout out for them for providing that.
2: My strong suspicion, which I say as a guest not knowing, is that having already been in a situation where they were parsing RDoC, do things like tooltips and things like that, my guess is that parsing RBS to do the same thing was not
0: that big of a lift. Yeah, that's a safe assumption, I would think. What's been like the most fun part so far? It's been really fun to just be working on it.
2: Like it's really fun to be writing about very basic pieces of Ruby and just sort of have to think, do I agree with this statement? Do I not agree with this statement? Putting in newer references and writing the pieces for the new code. Like It's actually been really enjoyable to work on. And part of that, hopefully, is the idea that a lot of people hopefully will be reading it, which is nice, but it's also been just a very fun text to work with and topic to write about.
0: And my idea of the Pigaxe book, since I've heard about it, is that it's a beginner's book. But after having this conversation, it sounds like I would benefit just as much as someone with little experience.
2: I think almost everybody who's a Ruby developer, especially if you're a Ruby developer who is not really use the newest features we'll get something out of this we try to do that by the time it actually comes out in print it will cover the couple of new features in ruby 3.2 some of which are actually already in the text and a couple of which will need to get added but yeah i think there should be some information in there even for more experienced ruby developers
0: well we're running on time julie do you have anything else we want to ask about this
1: I was going to ask for folks who are unfamiliar with the Pickaxe book, why should they pick up this book? But it sounds like we kind of touched on that already. But if there's anything else Noel, that you need to add to that?
2: Yeah, I think that it's going to be a great place for people who are new to Ruby to get their mind around how Ruby works, what makes Ruby unique, how Ruby developers think about Ruby. Hopefully it'll be, hopefully the people will find it really useful. I'm excited to get it back out cool. there.
0: Well, where can people find you online? Where can they find the book online? The easiest place to find me online is
2: either on Twitter where I am at NoelRap, N-O-E-L-R-A-P or NoelRappin.com, which also has a link to a newsletter which has been sadly very, very dormant for the last several months because every time I try to write something like this, my brain says, why aren't you working on the book? But we'll eventually come back. Those are the two best places to find it. The book itself, you should be able to find it at prideprog.com. I think the URL will be pragprog.com slash title slash ruby5, but I'm not 100% sure. It should be at slash title slash ruby5. One of those two. It should be easy to find on the Pragmatic site.
0: Yeah, we'll include a link in the show notes for the at least the beta release. As we're recording
2: this, the beta release has not come out yet, so I don't actually know what the URL is going to be. And if you're interested in talking about the book, Pragmatic's official like forum is at devtalk, devtalk.com, and there'll be a forum there, and again, I don't know if you are all for that either. There'll be a form for that.
0: Well, Noel, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us yeah. about your work.
1: Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm super excited to pick up this book. I haven't been exposed to the previous Pickaxe books just because I'm newer in the community and it's a little older, but I'm excited for this one.
0: Yeah, hopefully you all like it. I am going to pick it up as well. You've convinced me, so... Cool. All I need to do is go on
2: everybody's podcast and talk to every person. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, you tell us and then we tell other people and the people who listen and then, yep, it's a network effect. Folks, if you're listening, when this book comes out, pick it up, find some friends, read it together, and we will catch you all in the next one. Bye. Bye, everyone.